0: Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham.
1: Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I'm Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 12, the owls among us. Man, these are amazing birds with amazing adaptations to live their lives. did you ever wonder? Owls fly totally silently. They have a 360 degree range of view and they can catch their prey in almost total darkness. How cool is that? Well, we're gonna find out how cool it is. And actually, we're gonna talk about the ones that are the most common that you might have in your own backyard.
0: Yes, we're also going to talk a little bit about what do the owls say and how do they say that. Plus, we have another cool kids activity, and not long ago we took a virtual
1: trip. This time we're going to get to take a real trip, so stay tuned. Yeah, and we're also going to talk about what you can do in your backyard to maybe attract these birds to nest next spring. So how cool is that? Stick around. Okay, Brian, we're talking owls, and I have to say, honestly, one of my (laughs) all-time favorite families of birds. We have about, what, 19, roughly 19 species of owls that are found in in North America. Yes. And uh, very, very cool birds. They share a lot of adaptations. One of my favorite things about this bird, and and I'm going to date myself, as I seem to do on every podcast. (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's just inevitable, John. (laughs) I go back to the first blockbuster movie, and I, I consider Jaws movie, the first real, true blockbuster. And I was probably in high school, maybe, at that point. And everything, and by blockbuster I meant it was everywhere, it was on every magazine, every TV show, everything, and it still is. You still have Shark Week, you know. But everybody was saying, you know, sharks, the perfectly adapted creature to live its life. Well, I submit that owls are right in the running for being one of the most perfectly adapted creatures to live its life.
0: That, that sounds like a, a pretty good analogy, and I'd have to agree with that. They are phenomenally adapted, and I'm looking forward to talking about some of those things today.
1: Yeah, and you've done some research on some of the uh, kind of the historical oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. Not, and not not so <laughs> historical <laughs> references to owls that have been uh, you know used throughout the That's years. Right. Famous owls in history. I feel like there should be some echoey <laughs> yes, that's right. yeah.
0: sounds happening there. <laughs> Evan, Evan, give us an echo. Would you? Famous <laughs> owls in history. But yeah, I do an owl program, so I pulled together some uh, kind of a timeline of things. But just to kind of run through some of these. You know, it started. We know way back. Owls have always fascinated us, and even uh, Athena, the Greek god, uh, she was. That way back then um, owls associated with her that whole goddess of wisdom scenario and owls always seem wise and the mythology behind all those things but I mean even in the 400 BC time frame and the I believe you pronounce it the tetradrachma coin the owl was you on just, one side you of just that.
1: had to get that in didn't you I did I did I <laughs> love that coin it's such a cool coin <laughs> but other famous tetradrachma that, that's right
0: <laughs> But, I mean, cool. I mean, we got an owl, and one whole side of that coin is an owl. Yeah. How cool is that? But other fun and famous kind of owls in history, you know, back in the nineteen early 1900s, Winnie the Pooh had owl. His actual name was Owl, if you didn't know that. <laughs> but, you know, you got some other things. <laughs> that was, like That was
1: a stretch of the imagination one. It? <laughs> it was. It was.
0: <laughs> but everyone, you know, the Winnie the Pooh characters, you know that? Or Mr. Owl with the Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop commercials. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Uh, You're dating yourself now. I know. <laughs> I know. I remember those original commercials. Uh, yeah. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And that was a puppet. X the Owl.
1: or My, yeah. all-time, my all-time favorite. Woodsy Owl. Everybody Don't remember pollute. Woodsy? Yeah, Don't pollute. That's exactly right.
0: <laughs> yep. Definitely. Or you get more, more recent history. Contemporary. Uh, yes, the contemporary. Harry Potter with Hedwig. Yeah, so owls throughout history have always fascinated us. There's a lot of mythology around them. There's some misconceptions around them. So, but there's some really cool, fun facts and really cool, like you said, John, those adaptations. Yeah. To, they're really the perfect a creature, perfect predator um, for what they do.
1: Yeah, and you know, you mentioned a few seconds ago that you know the owls and the fact that they were considered wise. And really, the reason I think most people think owls are wise, because if you look at them, they kind of look like us in the sense that most birds' eyes are on the side of their head. Great horned owl's eyes are on the very front of their head, and they look very very human-like in that sense, and therefore yes. they must be wise, you know. <laughs> so, But it's very cool the fact that that is one of them. We'll start off, when you talk about adaptations, we'll start off with the eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, great horned eyes, the ability to see... In, the, in darkness, there's all kinds of adaptations. But one of the really cool things is um, they have the ability to turn their neck. You know, they, they cannot actually. Their eyes are so big. If we had eyes the size of a great horned owl, they'd be the size of tennis balls. But they had. But they give up something because of that size, and that is they. We can sit there and turn our eyes to the left, and then turn our eyes to the right. Their eyes are basically fixed. They cannot move their eyes left or right. So they've adapted to their neck being incredibly flexible, and if you would turn your neck all the way to the left side, you'd be looking at about what? Um, you
0: know, yeah, over maybe your, ninety over degrees your, at the most. right? Yeah, over your,
1: well even farther over your shoulder. Yeah,
0: yeah. An yeah, owl can do can that. T- turn your eyes and your neck together. Yeah. Yes.
1: And owl can go from that position all the way back forward and all the way around the back to that same position in the other direction. So basically, they have a three hundred and sixty range of view with their eyes. They can see all the way around them by moving in that flexible neck uh, all the way from the left side to all the way to the back right, or back left side. Yeah, but to
0: clarify, they cannot turn their head all the way around in circles. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They have a spine just like we do. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like you said, it's just that much more flexible. Yeah.
1: So you could go on about the eyes, their ability to see and, and, uh, you know, very, very reduced light conditions and it has to do with the structure of the rods and the cones. We have, as humans, a lot of cones in the the, uh, back of our eye which are color perceptors, and rods are really what you see in low light, black and white conditions. Uh, Owls have a tremendous amount, very few cones and a tremendous amount of rods, so they're very, very good at being able to see in low, low light conditions. The size of the eyes, again, in comparison to ours, uh, gives them a lot more light gathering ability. Uh, So it really is a very, very... um, cool adaptation for them because they are night hunters. They very rarely hunt during the day. There are a couple of species of owls that do uh, fly and and hunt during the the daylight, but most owls are are, uh, nocturnal and they fly around at night.
0: Yeah, or we could do a couple of those scientific terms there, John. Night, the nocturnal (laughs) time, right? There you go. Or um, one of the other cool parts about the owls, and with their eyes like that, they're known to be crepuscular hunters, another one of those scientific terms, which basically is dawn and dusk. It's that that twilight time of the day because, I mean, to be in utter and complete darkness, I mean, come on, who wants to, even if you could see and and have awesome hearing, that's still a challenge, and there could be something in your way not making noise. So they still like to have some light, and so having that twilight time where you get a nice moonlit night those are great times to go find mm-hmm. owls because mm-hmm. they're going to be out hunting. and
1: Yeah, let's, let's talk about finding owls. Let's talk about the the three, you know, there are, uh, like I said, about 19 species of owls in North America. But there really are three or four species that are the mm-hmm. most common ones that would be around people's homes and in suburban areas. And probably number one on the hit parade is the, the great horned owl. Uh, it is probably the most widespread um, owl that we have. Mm-hmm. And,
0: yeah, yeah, they are across North America. And what's really cool is, like you said, widespread. We're talking pretty much habitats from forest to fields to tundra to desert. I mean, they are so adaptable to pretty much any environment. And you, it's just really amazing to think that you could have a, a bird like an owl that, that's that big. You know, you're talking a one and a half, <laughs> two foot tall bird that can live in any one of those environments. And they do and they thrive.
1: Yeah, and they're tremendous hunters. I mean, the nickname I've heard uh, batted around a couple of times is the tiger of the sky. And it's kind of because (laughs) they're such a a predator, but also their coloration. Mm -hmm. A little bit of orange and black in there. Yeah, yeah. So bottom line, uh, it is one that can be found in suburban areas in many parts of the country, in most parts of the country. And it's one that you may hear. Matter of fact, you're more likely to hear it before you ever see it. And uh, we'll we'll be playing the real calls here in a second, but we're gonna try to, you know, there's a whole thing that you can do with bird calls and you can put a, what we call a mnemonic. Uh, It's just basically a word phrase that kind of matches the, the pacing and the tonal qualities of the call. And so for the gray horned owl, it is considered the mnemonic is, who's awake, me too, who's awake, me too. So it's three notes that are fairly quick and tied together, and then two separate notes at the end. So who's awake? So it's. <coughs> so you know, you can kind of get the pacing and, and the mnemonic and kind of just see it does fit. Who's awake? Me too. And then Brian, the, 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 the male and the female have a, a, a difference. You know, the, the male kind of the laid back being the male that he is, his call is actually a little lower and slower. Mm-hmm. And, when, and when they do the duets, you can actually tell the difference between the female and the male because yeah. of the tonal quality and the speed of the calls.
0: They Very like cool. to talk back and forth doing those duets, basically saying, where are you? I'm over here. And using that mnemonic, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. who's awake? I'm awake, are you? Hey, excuse me, so shut there. up, I'm trying to sleep that's <laughs> what I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah or if mom's on the nest, she'll start the calling to say, I'm hungry, go get food and he'll respond, and he has that a little bit slower, a little bit deeper where she's might be slightly faster and slightly higher pitched
1: very cool very cool so this is a bird that will nest uh they they typically are not a uh, a box user or a hollow tree user. although they will use hollow trees on occasion but quite often they'll take over an old uh, red-tailed hawk's nest or even a crow's nest and they'll kind of retrofit it to their own needs uh it's very very cool to stumble in which is typically what you do is you kind of stumble upon finding one at some point <laughs> right uh, highly highly suggest you listen and uh, you know in all candor uh I actually go outside most evenings during the warmer temperatures, not not in the middle of winter, but most, and even actually I'll do in the middle of winter because that's when these guys are the most vocal. They really, the gray horned owl is the very first bird to nest. It is, it is pairing up in January and it's on the nest by the end of January and February in parts of the country. So I, I actually guess I have to confess, I do go out in the winter too. It's one of my favorite times to go out, John.
0: barred owls. Let's talk barred owls a little bit. Barred owls is another one of those larger bodied owls and the barred owls are pretty much found throughout the eastern part of North America. But you get this swath where they kind of go up into Canada going westerly and a little bit into the Pacific Northwest area. A couple coastal areas. But the barred owl, they are one of the most vocal of all of our owls. They are communicative. They love to talk back and forth. And they are the ones that many people have heard. And you might hear them in uh, different movies and things. But, John, you were talking about those mnemonics that we put to those (laughs) owls. And this one I love is that that who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all?
1: Yeah, Um, Kind of considered that southern owl because it has that last <laughs> note, <to> go, kind <laughs> of a draw. It's really easy to to hear this bird. They're very very vocal and they are actually responsive. If you go out in the backyard, and, but they
0: and, will they'll respond they to will something respond like to that, it sometimes. that. They're it's, being it's,
1: talkative it's, and yeah,
0: it's really neat if you ever get a group of barred owls and you get towards um, kind of that fall time and more of those barred owls are coming together and they all start talking back and forth. And if you can get try to get one. If you hear one talking, or if you can get one talking, you get the others talking, and it, and then you get this cacophony of calls back and forth, back and forth. Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? Or they almost get a a, a caterwauling kind yeah. of sound going.
1: Yeah, it almost, it's almost like a bunch of monkeys up in the tree. When you get a bunch of them going, the juveniles from this year and a couple of adults going, it's a,
0: you
1: know it, it it is yeah yeah. So it's. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, you know, barred owls are really neat. They they don't necessarily specialize in a particular food. They eat a wide, wide variety of different kinds of foods. And we have our barred owl nest cam with Wild Birds Unlimited. And we've been lucky enough to have it each spring for the last number of years. And it's fascinating, this, this nest cam, you can see in the box, and dad brings all sorts of different foods to mom and the babies. And so you can see... Some of these foods as they get dropped in you know, may not be for the squeamish uh, or faint of heart to watch, but it is fascinating too, because it's just part of that circle of life and nature happening. And you can see things, you know, you might expect rodents to be dropped in or maybe um, some, interest, some snakes dropped in, but mm-hmm. you'll see frogs dropped in. You'll see earthworms dropped in, crawdads, mm-hmm. here's one of my favorites, fish. Who knew yeah. that owls fished? <laughs> very, very cool to be able to see this wide variety of food. So they're not necessarily a specializer in prey. They just are pretty opportunistic, and especially when they're feeding their babies.
1: And they're very, very good at catching that prey. It's a, it's an amazing how adapted for hunting they are. You know, one of the things we... You talked about the prey uh, and on the variety for the barred owl. Well, one of the things on the great horned owl that we were just talking about is they... <laughs> They oh, prey yeah. on skunks. They will literally eat skunks. <laughs> and you think, are you crazy? You know, one of the things that years ago, uh, discussing this with some fellow naturalists and, and museum people, and they were saying, next time you go to a museum and get into the collections room, sniff the mouth of, <laughs> of the Great Horned Owl. Many of them to this day smell skunky because they prey on skunks. Now, I never had the chance to do it. Don't know if it's true or not, but the bottom line is they do prey on skunks because they fly quietly, si- almost silently. You know, it's, yeah. I, they, they have a special soft feathers. Their wings, the leading edge of their wing have like little little projections, little comb-like projections that literally, it's, it's like if I took my hand and had my hand uh, and you know my fingers out in my palm and my fingers closed and I slapped the water, I'm gonna get a big splash and a big snap. If I spread my fingers out and I hit the water, almost no sound, almost no splash. The leading edge of that wing is doing that on an owl. So the soft body feathers, the leading edge breaking the air up so it's not slapping the air. You know, go go walk through a, a, a bunch of pigeons on the ground. You know, when they go off that leading edge sharp and it's smacking at the air, the leading edge on an owl is soft and has those little projections that break up the air and make it silently flow over their feathers. So they can sneak down and fly right up to a skunk. And the skunk never knew what hit it. Absolutely never knew what hit it. So kind of a cool thing.
0: Well you know, John, one of the things we're always talking about, how can you attract these birds to your yard? And you know, grey horned owls, barred owls, you know, great horned owls is that stick nest. Um, and you could create a basic stick nest and, and up high in your tree, you're going to want to try to be 15 feet up or so, but have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, really. <laughs> <laughs> but a barred owl is a little easier to do because, like I was talking about our nest cam, well, it's inside of a box, and you can put up a nest box for barred owls. Now, consider this is like a, a one and a half foot tall bird, so they're kind of big, so this nest box is going to be kind of big, so you need a good, large, sturdy tree uh, <laughs> to be able to do that, but... It is something that you could do in your yard to try to attract them. Uh, one of the other cool things that is quite often skipped over is owls need to bathe too, and you could put a nice bird bath in your yard or create a little uh, water feature, a little recirculating creek kind of a feature, but having even just a bird bath, we have plenty of folks who will send us pictures of an of owls sitting on the edge of a bird bath, getting a drink or, or taking a little bath. I mean, that's fascinating to watch. So there are things you can do to help attract them to your yard.
1: Very cool, yeah, I've not had that happen yet. I'm, I'm waiting for that day to come, I guarantee Indeed. you that. And I hope my camera's very close by, so.
0: Yes, one, well, it's cool that you think about how long these owls can live, because if you have a box out, and like barred owls, the oldest known, most of them are gonna live about 20 years, the oldest known right now was over 26 years old due to the, the bird banding records. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing stuff. Well, we have one other uh, kind of uh, owl, or two owls actually. We'd like to highlight in the sense of the ones that are very common around people's houses and in suburbia, if you will. Uh, And that's our screech owls, our western and our eastern screech owls. Uh, These are so cool, and I am convinced to beat the band that they are responsible for about ninety percent of all ghost stories that exist in the world uh, because (laughs) they (laughs) have their call is so haunting and they're small, they're a teeny little, they're under nine inches, so they're a teeny little bird, and they can sit up in a, in a tree, they can be in an old barn, they can be an old abandoned house, and being in there. And I remember the first time I went camping as, as a youngster, and we were in a tent in the middle of nowhere. And it's the first time I ever heard a screech owl. I thought I was a dead man. I thought, I thought I thought it's all over. Somebody's out there coming to get me right now because it's just a scary, haunting call. Uh, and if you never heard it, and Brian, I know you've got you've got an amazing uh, <laughs> repertoire of of screech owl. If you want to share that, and then we'll and then we'll play the real call after that. Yeah, it's that eerie tremolo that's almost ghost-like, and then you have that almost whinny scream, if you will. It's like somebody screaming in the cemetery. I'm convinced ghost stories originate with the screech owl.
0: (laughs) probably do. Well, and you got that eastern screech owl, which, as the name says, it's found pretty much in the eastern part of North America, but you have the western screech owl, which... Um, I always equate these, these little screech owls. They're just these, these cute, precious, little, ferocious <laughs> predators. Because <laughs> they're adorable. And they'll hide in, You know, like, John, you're in all these different places you can see them. Or they'll even hide in the knothole of a tree while they hide. Because, you know, remember that tiger of the sky we were talking about, the mm-hmm, great horned mm-hmm. owl? <laughs> they eat these little guys. So yeah. no one's safe from a, a great horned owl. But the, the western screech owl, a little bit of a different call and it equates more to like a bouncing ball Um, and almost like that little bouncing ball starting to settle so see if I can uh, do justice to an imitation here of the western screech owl
1: that brings back memory, Brian. You know, I I think Brian and I uh, do a lot of traveling and and go to a lot of our stores and do presentations around the country. And and, uh, many years ago, uh, we were out west and both of us did not have the Western Screech Owl on our life list. And so after we got done with our commitments, uh, the evening before we flew home, we pulled up eBird and we found the local listings for where the Western Screech Owls were. And uh, we tracked one of those suckers down, and we listened to that call, and it was so cool. And I will never forget that because we were actually on a a bridge. We were on a college campus that had reported (laughs) it in a little natural area.
0: A wise owl on a college campus. So John, you're talking about that life list and you know, we're trying to get the Western screech owl. Well, a life list is just that list of all the birds you've seen in your lifetime and a lot of birders or even backyard bird watchers like to tick mark off what birds have shown up. That's on that life list of yours and you can even travel to do it. So if you want to start a list, start with your backyard or even start traveling to go find birds. The cool part with these screech owls, they too love to use nest, nest boxes if for nothing else but to roost in. Um, And being that it's a smaller owl, it's a smaller size nest box, so more people could have more of these nest boxes in their yard. And what a fantastic surprise to go outside, uh, especially one evening in winter, and see a little owl face sitting in that that little opening hole of a nest Mm -hmm. box with his little eyes closed. They're just they're adorable.
1: Yeah, and it's not that's not an uncommon thing to see. It's I'm not sure exactly why they stand in the in the opening of the nest box but it's i've seen that i would honestly say probably a dozen times over the years when you well and they're so camouflaged yeah it looks
0: it look their face looks like it kind of mimics the bark my my guess is that they're just trying to tell the uh, the squirrels since it's a similar size box to what a squirrel (laughs) would love to be in this is taken there's no hole here move along (laughs) yeah
1: yeah go away go away well, very cool, and we could, as always, we could talk all day about all these different creatures, and there's a bunch of adaptations that we haven't even touched the surface on. So we'll circle back, and, then, and one of the things we know is when uh, our nest box, uh, our owl cam, is up and running next year, uh, we'll be doing a podcast again about that and give more details on some of the uh, really cool ad- additional adaptations that we haven't even touched on today. So, And uh, we also have a kids' activity that we want to share.
0: Yes, we do, John. You know, what better when talking about owls than to do a kid's activity like an owl prowl? We kind of hinted at some of the things that you and I have done to do an owl prowl. Well, the first step is you definitely want to get a good field guide to know what owls are in your area. Uh, There are some great apps, bird apps, that you could also utilize, and one of those is Merlin. the the app Merlin because you can also listen to the call of those owls and start to really get those in your head because you're going to want to practice visually identifying that bird from your guide and audibly hearing what it sounds like. One of the cool parts, like we were imitating, can you imitate those owls before you go out? Try to see how well you do. Uh, But once you get that information ready, you're ready to go out on that owl prowl, you want to take a night hike, just take a walk. Be quiet every once in a while, stop and listen. And uh, if you do find any owls, John, you mentioned eBird. You know, just go on eBird and you can data entry that you saw, you found, saw, or heard these owls Mm -hmm. at this location this time of day. So, at eBird.org, it's a great database to collect things. You can also look on eBird.org to find out where owls are being seen in your area if you want to have a better chance. But definitely try your neighborhood first because who knows, they might be there.
1: You know I guarantee you, honest to gosh, if you could if you can put a, a child on an owl to where they get to see an owl in the wild, that is a thing that they will remember for ever the first time they've ever seen an owl in the wild especially if it's at night and as for our habitat it's we've already talked you know the bottom line is if you have these owls in your neighborhood if you hear the who cooks for you who cooks for you all or the who's awake me too or the whinny and the screech of the screech owl you can do things uh, you know the the gray horned owl is yeah, it's, it's uh, not a lot you're going to do with that because it is primarily uh, 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 rehabs old um, uh, hawk nest or crow's nest or whatever but boy like we've talked about the barred owl the screech owl nesting boxes are really a really good thing to put out there and they will use those nesting boxes or if you've got some dead trees dead snags that are safe a lot of people want to immediately cut down a tree when it dies Uh, but if that tree is safe and not about to come down and hurt anybody and it's a big enough tree and it has some natural nesting cavities in it especially the screech owl size you know, leave it up for a few years and see if the screech owls eventually use it for a nesting cavity. So uh, there are things you can do to bring these birds closer to your home. All right, Brian, any other little things or have we talked enough about the owls oh, among us?
0: I, I think we've talked enough for this episode. Like you alluded to earlier, there are so many fun things we could continue on and, and we'll do that when we get back to uh, next spring if we are lucky enough to have the the barred owls back nesting in the that's right the barred owl nest camp definitely we'll be circling back and bringing some more really cool fun facts and sharing some of the things about mama nesting in there and raising that family and dad doing all the, the hunting
1: for her so definitely
0: we'll swing back i hope everyone's had a great time today with this and you learned some new things and you're a- actually going to go out and try to find some owls
1: yeah please do please do and again on behalf of all of us here wild birds unlimited We, as every time, we really thank you for joining us. We hope to have you come back for our Nature Centered podcast. And next time we talk, we'll be helping the getting your yard prepared for winter for your birds. So as always, though, we'll always let nature be our guide. Thanks. Take care. Be safe.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.